Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to the Free to Be Show. I'm so excited to share with you my dynamic panel tonight as we discuss women free to be. Before I introduce you to our panelists, I'm going to read a poem to you, and then we'll have the introduction, and then we'll begin. Detox your mind. It's not normal to demean a woman. What happened to being kind? It's no wonder that her knight in shining armor beat his behind. A woman's crown is her highest expression. There's no reason for it to be a source of aggression, especially when her crown has been taken away by years of oppression. Let's normalize building trust, compassion, and peace. Until then, reflect on why you're being a piece of the traumatizing puzzle. You're just another spout of poison needing a muzzle. Don't let the pomp and posturing confuse you. That's how they continue to use you while they bemuse you with the dazzle. Shift into your higher self, connect the dots and see the big picture. They can only trip you if you allow them to rewrite the scriptures. The scriptures of the soul know better it knows to love and to let her be free. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. I'm the world's best joy monger. Yes, I made that word up. I'm here holding space for you so that you can reveal your joy. I'm also a multi-award winning author of eight books, mother of six children, and host of two podcasts here on the free to be show i engage you in conversations so that you can dive in and really notice whether or not you're free in your heart and your mind and your soul so are you free let's see and now i am excited to announce my each individual beautiful and dynamic um, panelists. I'm gonna begin with Jacqueline Howard, welcome. Hi. She's joining from California. And Kashana Morrow, welcome. Good evening. And Morena Lazarus. And she's joining from London. Hello everyone. <laughs> looking beautiful at midnight. Yeah, I'm quite impressed with that. <laughs> so I'm wondering, <laughs> who would like to begin by answering the question, what would it take for women to truly be free to be? Wow, well, I'll go ahead and jump in here right now. Um, thank you so much, Cordelia, for having me on this evening. I am so excited to be surrounded by such power in the room this evening. Uh, when I think about the question, what does it take to be free or for me to be free? Is that what I'm, I'm making sure that I understand the question correctly? Um, one of the things that I think about in my own life is my evolution, is the, uh, the embracing of my evolution, understanding that I was not the same person uh, that I was two years ago, not the same person that I was three years ago or 10 years ago. So I really had to understand that there was an evolution happening in me. And when I talk about evolution, what I'm talking about is change. And sometimes that change is, uh, it's a little challenging, honestly, to accept. But when I began to embrace that there was a change and with that change, my environment began to change. Uh, there were just a lot of changes that came along with that. Then that's when I was, I understood the freedom of that. So I would say in order to uh, be free to be you, embrace your evolution, allow yourself to go through and experience the change. And even when there's a little bit of turbulence, understand that you are still powerful, you are still brilliant, and you are still beautiful. It's just a different you. I love that. That's so powerful, Kashana. Thank you for sharing and sharing you know, from your personal story as well. Um, 
Jacqueline, would you like to go next? So being free to me, being free for me or to be me is just to just look in the mirror and realize who I am. You know, I come from good stock. I come from mushy parents who were married for 60 years and never raised their voice in anger. And they giggled and smooched my whole life. So I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm happy. I'm ready to be whatever God wants me to be today. And whoever he's going to put in my path, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen because I spend my whole um, life just being um, open and available to see the miracles that are going to happen around me. So I'm not concerned with what other people think or don't think. I'm just concerned with being the best me I can be in the moment. So we've got evolution and the miracle of you. Marina. So the question, how to be free to be me, mm -hmm. is an interesting one because who is me? Who is the me, right? So we are all souls walking a human experience. And there's many selves and roles we take on, especially as women, the wife, the mother, the friend, the lover, and all these archetypes we take on. But who are we really? And freedom is realizing we are none of these things. We are just us, which is a soul. And this is a soul's journey. And so looking at things objectively and realizing that we judge others and ourselves and then forgiving ourselves for that process. The process of radical forgiveness, <laughs> which we talk about, but then radical itself acceptance and self-love. And in that space, we are free with no attachment to just be. I love that. And again, you know, and you're bringing us back to the self-love and the miracle of who we are. So there's been a couple of incidents that have happened in the past couple of weeks that would tell us that your answers could be looked at differently. Okay. So if we layer in um, situations like, I'm going to go back a few weeks ago with Kim Kardashian, right? And she is divorced and all of us have experienced divorce. And she has, um, you know, she's left a toxic marriage and her ex-spouse is um, really basically making her feel unsafe. And she's one of the most powerful women in the world. So what, what has it taken for you to be free to be as a divorced woman? And I'm not implying that any of you have been in a toxic marriage previously, but I'm just saying there are entanglements <laughs> and disentanglements that have to happen when you get a divorce. So like, what does that evolution look like, you know, in that journey, Kashana? Well, I um, definitely can empathize with Kim Kardashian's journey. And um, and I also have a level of empathy for um, for Kanye, just because I believe that there is uh, there are some things there that ne definitely need to be addressed um, mental health wise. Um, so when I think about, you know, the freedom that we all have and we all do have a level of freedom, it's really about tapping into the freedom and understanding who you are and boldly walking in that um, when you are in a toxic relationship, sometimes it's toxic before you got there. <laughs> and, and so uh, we have blinders on 
you know, and there there's an old adage that says love is blind, you know, and I, I believe that um, when it is the, the wrong type of love, if you will, it can be very blinding. Um, it can keep you from seeing things that you need to see before you uh, enter into a covenant relationship. It could keep you for uh, doing things that you normally wouldn't do. Uh, so there are many factors that play into uh, this, this, what we call love. Uh, but I believe that there is an authentic love. And when you understand the authentic love, you understand that God is love. And you understand that as you are embracing that, embracing him, that it looks different. It's not selfish. It's not manipulative. It's not harmful. It's not painful. It, it's not abusive. All of the things that unfortunately um, Kim is experiencing right now. Um, and so being in, again, a toxic relationship, I believe that we have to step back and pause and ask ourselves, what needs to happen now for me to be free in this situation? And honestly, Cardelia, I believe there has to be a freedom in your mind before you experience a freedom physically. There has to be a freedom, um, you know, in your spirit before there is a freedom physically. And so as she's walking through this and journeying through this, you know, my prayer is that it, it starts in her mind and her spirit and that she's able to experience wholeness uh, and, and freedom, understanding that if, and, and again, you cannot control, you can't control anyone else. You can only control what you do and how you do it. So when you um, are, are you know, interacting with people that are toxic. Unfortunately, you do have to disconnect and you have to really draw some very strong, strong boundaries. Here's one of the things that I read, a quote that I read during my going through some turbulence in my, uh, as I was going through my divorce, it said, givers must create boundaries because takers seldom do. And when I read that, it, it changed or it shifted the way I thought about the way I give and the way or if I was truly free <laughs> or was I doing what everyone else expected me to do. So I believe that there is there are some boundaries that have to be put in place. They have to be firm boundaries and boundaries you can actually enforce in order to walk in true freedom. I, I'm hearing three things there. Having, um, acknowledging unconditional love, um, and, and along with that self-love and compassion, um, also sending, um, prayers for clarity and wholeness for Kim and for Kanye. Um, and then finally, just, um, being very clear on, uh, what are your requirements to set those boundaries? Yeah. Um, Morena, what is your take on that? I mean, it doesn't have to be specific to Kim Kardashian. And it's just a point of reference because everybody knows what's going on with that. I don't have no idea what's going on. Like I don't, I kind of stay out of the tabloids and, you know, out of the drama as much as I can. Save it for the acting, not for the, um, <laughs> not for the real life. Um, it's an interesting one. And I think the way I've, been at peace with it has been to take responsibility and to be like okay when I'm in a state of love I cannot lose anything then it's radical responsibility I've co-created this relationship for my own healing for my own you know if it was toxic or there was trauma or trauma bonding or all these things that are flown around I created that in my reality because perhaps I didn't feel worthy or there was an element of um, self-betrayal in some way of who I was for love. So it's taking responsibility and understanding where I was on my journey, on my soul's journey. Then really understanding that was part of my process and how to forgive myself if I was not wanted or, you know, betrayed, or how to forgive myself for not wanting myself, for betraying myself. And then to step forward with love and compassion and to realize that 
if I was in a situation of abuse and abuser of any any type, then it's for me to get out of them roles <laughs> and heal from that journey so I don't attract the same again. And to look at this with the eyes of compassion for both and for others out there in the world that are dancing in this and non-judgment um, and to send love and compassion to anyone that's in the, these states and to know that sometimes it is part of our soul's journey and it's okay to love and create love. And sometimes when we look at these people and we do still love them, you're almost loving the, them parts of you because we hold these archetypes. Whatever we're looking at, whatever we're paying attention to, we, we hold these archetypes within us. And it's like, okay, loving these parts of me, the narcissistic part, the abuser part, the abused, like literally loving all of them parts and being like, okay, and integrating and being like, okay, no judgment. This is the, what's happening in the collective. By loving and not judging is the only way I release and stop the same patterns repeating itself. Yeah, so our words create our world and we have to take radical responsibility um, without judgment as an observer um, to, to, sh to, uh, to recognize our co-creation of that and also to allow ourselves to heal. Yeah. yeah, to allow ourselves really to be okay. This is my part to play in this, whatever the part was. And this is the part I don't want to play no more. And when we don't want to play that part no more, it will stop showing up. The lesson, the life cycle, the life lesson will stop showing up. People will stop responding to me in that way. Whereas I will step into my power more if I hadn't been in my power before. I will not betray myself. I will take responsibility. I will speak my truth. I will not be the victim. All these things that we need to shift. Yeah. Jacqueline, what is your take on that? It's because it wasn't a marriage anymore. Uh, my ex-husband decided to sleep with everybody that wasn't, uh, <laughs> that was available at the time. So at that point, you know, it just, it's a, it's a safety and security for my son. So I took my son and left. And, and it, I, it wasn't a matter of, uh, is he right or am I right or am I this or am I that? It was like we, we made vows to be married to each other and you're not honoring those vows. So it's not the place that I need to be. It's not something I'm going to accept. And so uh, it was a matter of just getting out and, and then uh, making the decision to get out. I didn't have any problem making the decision. I had a problem when he decided, because he was chief of police at the time, him deciding to use my my son as the as the um, stick that he's going to use to get me. You know, it's one of those you're not going to ever amount to anything when I'm finished with you. You know, but using my son for that. So now it's a power play, and. I am my mother's child. If you mess with my children, we got a problem. <laughs> so I solved that problem very quickly. <laughs> and I haven't thought of it since. It's not that I hold any malice or anything for him. I don't hold anything for him one way or the other. It's like, it's not my issue. Uh, my son is safe and he's out. My grandchildren are safe. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I have no problem um, when somebody is abusive in that, not abusive, like violent to me, but abusive to your word. You know, if, if you can't keep your word, I don't need to be here anyway. And, and so I don't have a problem um, breaking that tie really quickly. You know, and I wish you well. But like my father said, there's there's a long handle spoon and there's a short handle spoon. I can use the long handle spoon, and I don't have to hold any malice because my father always taught us the short prayer. There he is, God get him. Because I want 
God to get him. And I want my heart to be in the right place when I say those prayers, trust me. But I know God can get him a lot better than I can. And so I want him to be successful in whatever you choose to do, wherever you choose to go. But it ain't going to be with me. <laughs> it's not. That's not the values I hold. It's not something I'm going to pass down to my children and my grandchildren. So it, it is, um, when I think about Kim and Kanye, if she's protecting her children from somebody that she thinks is going to endanger her children, and he has the same children, but his definition of protecting his children are different. There's an issue that they have to come to terms with, but the children are the ones who are paying the price. I made sure that I was not, my child was not going to pay that price. So you and I can talk all the time about what's going to happen or what you think you is going to happen. But when you put my child in that, that's a different game. And I, I play that game really well because I stop it really quickly. You're bringing another um, issue in here, which also is often not discussed. Um, I'm going to unmute you because I know I want you to respond also, and also Kashana, um, which is a term called counter-parenting, right? Because the, the uh, legal system wants you to co-parent with someone who you may not have been able to parent with for however many years you were married. And so what happens in divorce is something called counter-parenting, right? You both have your own ideal of what's great for your kids. And um, just towing that line with, again, you, you brought us back to unconditional love and respect um, and, and how to make that amiable, you know? So let's, uh, let's talk about unconditional love and when you have counter parenting going on. Um, Kashana, did you want to say? Uh, well, I, I love, um, first of all, I love what Jacqueline said is, I mean, you know, we don't use children for power plays. That's what we don't do. And again, when you make that firm stance that you are not, that's not what we're going to do, then you start to make sure that things are set up and put in place for that not to happen. Um, when we are talking about the whole counter parenting thing, um, that's not something that I necessarily had to go through. I was very, um, I was very clear that everything was about the best interest of my children. And what had to happen is we had to remove ourselves from wanting and trying to use them as a chess piece. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, well, I want this to happen and I want you to feel my pain and I want you to, you know, no, 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 we're not going to do that. You know, and so when we were able to mature and do and, and you know, make those type of decisions, I believe that it worked out better for our children. Counter-parenting, counter I think it sounds from what you're, the definition that you're giving me sounds very dangerous um, just because it, it kind of sounds like it's two different things going on in the child's life. And I'm wondering how detrimental is that to a child to have not a firm foundation, but it's almost like you have to try to see which one you can build on and, and which one is going to work. Um, rather than co-parenting and saying, let's come together for the best interest of the child to make sure that they have that firm foundation and they're able to build from that. So, I, you know, again, my experience has not been counter-parenting more than co-parenting. And I think there had to be a level of maturity in order for us to get to that point to where we said, you know, what's best for them? And let's make sure that whatever that is, now we had to go through a lot of turbulence, you know, it, <laughs> in some cases to get there. But um, I, I believe, again, I drew some very firm boundaries and said, this is not about us. Because there is no us. So let's be clear about that. <laughs> What, what we have to work on now is making sure that these children are taken care of and they are and they get what they need. And so I was very, very focused and clear about that. And, is, you know, what what Jacqueline was saying is so right. When when abuse shows up, all soul contracts are non-avoid. Like you don't stay where abuse keeps showing up. You just don't. 
So, so your sole contract with that person is done. You have every right to walk away and not stay in that and not put up with that. And co-parenting, I think it's amazing that you managed to come to that agreement with your partner. And I've been in a situation where I had experienced, you know, the opposite of I'm going to make your life hell now. I'm not with you. I'm going to use your children against you. And the only way is the thing is if we resist it and we fight against it, we cause more tension, we cause more war, we cause more conflict. So the only thing we can do is just let go and be like, okay, the situation is I have to learn to let go. Like I cannot control. Like he might want to control. He might want to control me. He might want to control everything. But I don't have to play that game. I don't even have to match his energy with I'm going to control. And then we have two parents where children are seeing two figures going, I want to control and they want to control. And then all you get is tension and conflict. So the only way really is to be like, I can't control this. I have to let go. I have to learn to let go of this attachment and go, okay, this is what I can control. I can control how I'm going to respond to this situation. I can respond to who, I, how, who am I being? What is my state? And this is where like Steve Hardison's work comes in, his beautiful work of creating himself and creating others powerfully in his morning prayers every day. So you get in creation mode, you're not in reaction mode. So we're, we're, we're creating constantly who we are in this world. We're in creation, we're not in reaction. So they can come with whatever and we're in flow. And it's like, this is what I am control. I can't control him, I can't control what he's doing, how he's acting. Because in the long term, children will not, you know, they might not know now, but when they're older, they know. And I was a child that looked, was in a situation where two parents stayed together that shouldn't have been together. And I remember seeing that growing up, being heartbroken. Like, mummy and daddy, please just get a job. Mummy and daddy, please just be happy. Mummy and daddy, like, oh my gosh, like, let me help you with everything. Like, and just being so sad as a child and not having a childhood, you know? So the best thing you can do for your children sometimes is to go, okay, I love myself, I put myself first, I'm not going to be in this, I'm not going to be miserable, I'm not going to suffer, I'm not going to be the martyr, <laughs> and all these things, like, and be the eternal, like, I don't know, person that's doing everything for everyone else. Sometimes the best thing is to go put ourselves first, and also I'm not going to let myself be controlled by this external force, which is controlling, which that, that's what they wanted to do when we, I was in the relationship, and if I let them influence in me, they're still winning, they're still getting a reaction, they're still getting what they want, which is all of these things. And peace, ultimately, is something they probably will never be able to get. And it's the biggest gift you can give yourself, working on that and create, creating yourself and getting in that state of unconditional love, where is you are love, which nothing affects you outside of you. Like I'm in that state. I'm vibrating in that state. I am love. Yeah, It's not something I'm falling in and out of. I am it. And nothing's going to affect me. Once you're in that, woohoo! There's an element of okay. And that's where I want us all to be. Right <laughs> on. I was unmarking Jacqueline, so, because I heard you, I saw you really re responding to what she was saying. Well, yeah, because I, you know, we all want to be in that place of, of, being I am love and and I am I really do feel that but I as a mother that even if it's a different label that's it's a different situation when your child is not in a position to protect himself then I have to take that role and protect him until it gets to that point now as soon as he became a teenager and was able to see his father for whatever he sees his father in and for me to realize that he's your father. You're going to have a relationship with him, whether I'm there or not, because he's your father. He's going to always be your father. And so I, I want you to have the relationship that you need to have with your father. And, and that's why I took him out of the situation until he could get to that point where he could make his own decision and, and, and safely. Um, so, so I don't have any regrets about that. I, he is love. My son is love. My, my, uh, and he is that way with his kids. He won't let anything happen to his kids. Um, but but the the, the counter parenting for us uh, was realizing that my husband, my ex husband, didn't want anything but 
to be able to sleep with whoever he wanted to sleep with and to have all the money, have all the control and have all of this and all of that. It wasn't any partnership, any collaboration, any conversation, any anything. It's like I'm taking your court and I'm taking everything you have, period. I'm not talking to you. I'm not, I don't care what happens to the sun. I'm not, I want everything. And when you're in that position, then you have to say, okay, like Marina said, okay, I understand me. I understand what I want and need. I understand what my son wants and needs. And I will cover that until God tells me otherwise. And when it's safe, I will let my son grow up with his father and know who he is. And it took a New York minute for him to figure out who his father was and for him to make his own decisions. Whether he agrees or not agrees, he knows exactly who his father is. Because <laughs> his father is going to show you. You know, it's like Maya Angelou said, when people tell you who they are, believe them. Because they know them better than you do. So my son was able to see his father for who he is, and he can make his own decisions. He's grown now. He's got children of his own. But in that mode where you're walking out of a marriage and somebody's telling you as a grown person that they're going to take everything away from you and expect that, that you're going to um, crawl or, or crumble, <laughs> you married the wrong person. I'm not a crumble person. I wasn't raised to quit. I wasn't raised to give up. I wasn't raised to think that I'm less than, better than, or anything else. I am who I am. And I came into this marriage grown and full. And I'm leaving this marriage grown and full. And the stuff, the material things, is not what I'm after in the first place. So you keep whatever you want to keep. <laughs> That's not going to phase me. It's not going to stop me from being me. It's not going to stop me from being successful. It's not going to stop me from doing what I want to do. And then for damn sure, it's not going to stop me from protecting my job. So, yes, I'm, I am, I, I came up, like I said, in Giggle and Smooch, so I know what Giggle and Smooch feels like. I know what it, I know the warm and fuzzy. I know what I want people to feel when they're around me. So I don't want to emanate any kind of conflict or control or hate. But I don't want you to think that I'm a pushover either. <laughs> Right. Making it super. And, you know, even in that, um, I'm, I'm also hearing like a, a surrendering, right? The surrendering to serenity, you know, um, to what's to the elevation of your inner peace. So um, I love all the things we covered in this round and we'll come back after the commercial break. And we're going to drill down more on creating this uh, un this uh, self-forgiveness and unconditional love for ourselves. We'll be right back after this. Is the Replenish Me Hawaii experience for you? Yes, it is. Because you're someone who works so hard and pours out from deep within your heart all the time. You're always in action. And this is your opportunity to pour in and be in action, to just be free. That's what you work so hard for, isn't it? Are you free? Come to Hawaii. So let's get into creating ourselves as unconditional love and um what what does that piece of the the freedom and healing look like Jacqueline do you want to start or Kashana okay go ahead Kashana so I'm understanding the question to be make sure that I understand the question what does freedom look like um, in terms of loving yourself? Is that, was that the question? Can you repeat So that? when we were talking about creating unconditional love, right? Um, after divorce, just having unconditional love for your ex-spouse and, you know, uh, and creating an environment that's amiable so that you can free the, your soul ties. Mm-hmm. 
how how does one do that? Mm, that's a that's a good deep question. Uh, <laughs> when I, I'm when I think about that though, I think about um, you're saying this unconditional love that I'm creating actually for someone else, but I believe there has to be a level of unconditional love for myself first. Um, I have to make sure that I love me in spite of me. It's kind of like going back to what I was saying about the evolution and the change and embracing that evolution. There are different parts of me that that stay on and then there are parts that fall off. But being able to embrace all of that and love me uh, in spite of what I see or in spite of how I feel, that's that's powerful in and of itself. And I believe that when we um, when we feel that way, when we feel as though we can love one, we can love ourselves, then we can kind of give. Um, you know, I, I used to uh, just be in a space where I was so desiring to please people. It, it's like whatever they needed from me, whatever they needed to see in me, that's how I would show up. And until I started drowning. And then when I started drowning, I was like, wait a minute, you know, what, what is anyone going to help me here? You know, and, and that was a wake up call for me to understand that I had to now look in the mirror and, and say, I love you. I love you. Every scar, every bruise, every dimple, every freckle, every uh, imperfection. I love you. And I think that that's where it all starts. When you have that starting place, then that love starts to radiate out, radiate out to other people. But if you don't have it for you, then that's where we find ourselves uh, with that uh, lack of peace, lack of joy, because those are things that happen inside, right? And if you don't have that, then it's very difficult to um, to reflect it. So it has to be unconditional for you first before anyone else. 100%. Marina? So <clears throat> I think you have to come from a place of also like remembering the love that you did have and the good times that you did have. Because I think so often when we go through a divorce or a breakup, we just think of all the bad and we kind of create this narrative, but then allowing yourself to remember the person you fell in love with, the reason why you fell in love, what was good. Also that hurts sometimes, but to allow that hurt to go in and then to reflect on all the things that they did do that was good and the things that you were grateful for and what you learned and the lessons you learned within that. Whatever they, you know, they might not, they might be painful lessons, but what lessons did you learn? And then stepping into the place of, Okay, appreciation and forgiveness, right? Forgiveness of yourself for allowing this to happen, whatever it was that happened. Forgiveness for the other person, for their part in it. And knowing that on some level, conscious or unconscious, you created it. And then that helps you then understand on a conscious level or a subconscious level that it comes from you. And then to go back within and then just to give yourself everything you thought perhaps you're going to get from someone else and to realize you don't need their acknowledgement. You don't need their praise. You don't need their, you know, whatever, whatever you was in, you were in this paradigm of trading yourself for security. So I was saying to you previously that the paradigms we trade ourselves when it comes to marriage and they normally are like the old paradigms was love and obey your partner. It's security. It's control. It's all these things which really are not love, you know, this codependency. And we think, oh, we've met this person. And realizing I was in that paradigm of trading parts of myself and going, okay, I can love and love this person without a condition, without saying, oh no, you have to be in this role. You have to be choosing me. That, that person doesn't choose me okay that person chooses to live their life like that that's okay that's not to do with me that's to do with them that's to do with their values that's to do with it's nothing to do with me and I think that's more self-love when you realize actually it's not about me you know this is about their journey this is about my journey to realize my worth my self-love the fact that they was doing this or doing that or 
being the way they was, that's not to do with me. And the way they're still being isn't to do with me. The only way I'm going to transmute this is through love. To be like, okay, loving and accepting of this is where they're at. I can't control it. It does not reflection of me. And I need to let, let it go. And that's the unconditional peace. Because when you truly love, it isn't based on conditions. It just is. Yeah, you see, like, I guess... I'll explain a little bit. So from, I, I love both your answers, by the way. And I, and this is the great thing about these conversations because it like opens my mind to, to like viewing um, the way I think differently and what I feel differently. And in my situation, when I noticed, you know, like Jacqueline understood that her relationship was over. Right. And so when I noticed that this could be no more, like I had to end this soul contract, that's for me, when the um, self-forgiveness had to begin, I was like, how could I have made such a horrible choice, you know? Um, and I was like, whoa, no, I made it based on what I knew, you know, at that time and who I was at that time and what I was seeking at that time. And that's okay. And then I stepped back and I was like, but I'm not strong enough to end this yet. So what can I do? And that's when for me, it was like, you know what? The good news is like, he's my brother in humanity. So I can love him from that perspective. And, you know, and instead of enduring until I was strong enough to leave, I was able to um, just separate. And I call it detached love because it was like holding him in the unconditional love bubble. And I can love him with the, all the other people in the world that I love. You know, it's like, I love Kashana and Marina and Jacqueline. And, you know, like now he's in that group, you know, and, and that's okay. And as things, um, you know, as I was strengthening my self-love inside, you know, and, and really leaning into that forgiveness, then it was time. Like I knew when it was time and it was you know, it's no more. And since the actual divorce, now I'm in a space of, yeah, it's, it's not, I, I can't label it. You know, it's not like unconditional love or this kind of love. It's just like, it's love, you know, and um, moving like the boundaries that I'm creating are coming organically um, because now I, I, create my world every day, you know, um, and I make those, uh, the boundaries, just the, the boundaries, inner peace, what gives me inner peace in this moment, you know, it may not be the same thing that gave me inner peace yesterday, because we're evolving, isn't it, Kashana, we're evolving, like constantly, like, who I was at 5am this morning, I'm not that person anymore, really, you know, it's like, I've lived a lot of life today. <laughs> So, um, and, and so I feel like really to be, for women to be free to be just to understand the inner work is, um, the self-forgiveness because I've, I've, and, and this is where I'd like your perspective on this. Do you feel that women are conditioned to be, um, at the service of other people, like to be, to please others or to nurture others or like um, be trophies when it comes to being wives. I know, I'm, I mean, you, you may not feel that way at all, but I'm just saying, what are the things that- Oh my gosh, I totally relate to that. And okay. I, think, I think in certain ways, yeah, I think there is that, isn't there? You know, I get the car, I get the house, I get the wife. And like we see the films and we see, we see a lot of it play out in the conditioning around us and the good wife and playing the role of the good wife. And, you know, she stays at home, she does the cooking, she's always got the dinner cooked and, you know, like this like archetype, but these women have it hard because we've got to do everything these days. You've got, to, you've got to be everything and do everything. And it's like, yeah, there is a very big element um, of, yeah, but I mean, I think again, the archetype you could you could have that in men and women of being the pleaser, the good girl, the good child, 
I mean, you could have that in both. I resonate with that from being a child. They just wanted to make everyone happy and just be ultimately good and just be like, oh my gosh. And then, you know, you forget about yourself. And I think it's important to remember that you matter and that you are worthy and that you do have needs. And to be loved, you don't have to betray yourself. You don't have to betray who you are. And you can stay on firm and be grounded in this is who I am. This is who I am in the world. This is what, what I want to create. This is what I want to do. And it might not fit the stereotype, traditional way that you might perceive it. But this is me and I'm free to be me. And it can happen in many cultures because I'm half Greek Cypriot. My partner was Greek Cypriot. And I remember his family being like, what does she want to do? She wants to work. And you think this type of thing doesn't go on in today's society still. But it does. And it was like from women. It wasn't from the men. It was like, I know, who does she think she is? She wants to actually go out and work. And I had it from both like older women archetypes in my life. Like, what's wrong with her? She's got a child isn't she happy is that you know like why why wouldn't why would she want to do something for herself why would she want to work and it's almost like that condemnment in from women rather than building each other up and going that's brilliant I didn't have that chance in my generation I would have liked that you know it's almost like keeping up keeping the next generation down as well um and being envious of maybe something perhaps they didn't have right yeah, we have some interesting comments coming in and, and welcome um, Michael and Lori and Ryan and I guess Stephanie. Um, Michael is, he's saying women are so much more than the roles that they are societally expected to take on. And then even more than that, it definitely seems he was agreeing with what you were saying. And since women are associated with being caretakers, nurturers, but in a sense, it becomes a role played much like an actor. <laughs> and like mm -hmm. actors, it's easy to become typecasted in such a role, which is unfortunate. I, I hated being typecasted in that role. I really did. It was like, oh, my gosh, I've ended up in the wrong film. Like, how did I end up in this film? Like, <laughs> my gosh, like, I've forgotten who I am. Like, I stay in, I do the cooking, I do the cleaning. Like, if the house is not tidy, I get told off. When the husband comes home, like the house is never clean enough, it's never good enough. And it was just like, oh my God, I've, I've ended up in hell. Like how did, how is this like, how does society say this is the perfect life? Like, how is this the, the picture? Get married, have a husband, have a five bedroom house, have the Range Rover. I was like, this is hell, please. I've woken up in the wrong story. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that might be an overdramatic. <laughs> well, you're an actress, well, you know. <laughs> Why, why are we selling this? Because it really was not fun. <laughs> it was like, it did. It did feel, I think it's nice. Everything can balance, right? It's nice to have balance. It's nice to, you know, do things that you love and cook and don't get wrong. It's nice to all of this, but it's when it's like expected and there's expectations. It's like, that's your role now. And now you're the mother. You have to be the one looking after everyone and doing this and making sure the house is clean and making sure the cooking's on the table. And like, you have to do it all. And it's like, what about doing stuff that I love? What about me just being, no wonder why I've lost the passion in my relationship. No one, because I lost the passion in doing the stuff that I genuinely enjoy, which is creating. Right. We're human beings, we're yeah. meant to create. We're not meant to be sitting there, like I'm serving everyone else. And like, oh, why? Yes. One, why? I don't want to sleep with you. Wow. I'm That's curious if Jacqueline felt that way because you were from that generation where it was like coming from the mother in law more so than our generation or her generation. Out here because <laughs> uh, my parents were um, equal partners in everything. Okay. My father um, uh, taught me how to use a tampon when I got my period. My father braided my hair. My father bathed us. My father mopped floors. My father had seven older sisters, so he knew how to treat a woman and how to treat children. So, so it's always been an equal partnership. My mother um, was from a poorer family than my father was. They were both poor, but in the deep South, my mother never got a chance to go to college. But, and she always wanted to go to college. So when she had three children, she went to college and she took us to college with her when she didn't have a babysitter and she sat us in the back of the class on a pallet i don't know you know a little mat in the back and dared us to make any trouble and her professors 
would even carry us around if we were fussy while they were teaching. So my mother could finish and she finished with a bachelor's degree in education and she became a teacher. And so she worked and had kids and she went to college and she had kids and, and she had the kids first. So they were married with three kids before she got a chance to go to college. So I think that's probably um, one of the real reasons why I'm divorced because I expected to walk into a marriage that had that same kind of equal partnership. And he was from the, the school that Marina is, is kind of, you know, like, you're the wife, you do what I say, you do the cooking, you do the, and to this day, I don't know how to cook because I don't like cooking. And I never have, never will. That's what restaurants are for as far as I'm concerned. So it's not something I'm going to do. And so it's, it's, it was me realizing, like Marina, in a different way, I, I'm in the wrong film because this is not where I'm going to be. I've been a writer since I was four. I'm going to continue to write. I work when you marry me. I'm going to continue to work. So um, it was an unequal thing to begin with. And when I realized it was wrong, I got out, you know, but I already had a child. But yeah, I, I think um, my self-love, my conditioning, my upbringing was all that I am. I hold value because I'm here. I'm independent because I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm not owned by anybody. I can think for myself. Uh, I, my friends used to ask, why don't your parents argue or fuss and fight? You know, because their parents did, I guess. And I, so I asked my father and he said, why would I raise my voice to your mother? Why would I disrespect her? We can talk about anything. We can agree or disagree. But why would I disrespect her? Why would I not value her opinion or want to hear her opinion? So when I came up and things like that, when I felt like I wasn't being heard, I shut down. And when I shut down, I do go inside and realize that there is a disconnect from what I'm feeling and, and what, I'm feel, what I'm feeling externally and what I'm feeling internally. And when I shut down and I focus on me, I come out warm and fuzzy. I come out giggly. So I realize that's who I am. That's where I came from. But it's also my choice to be that way. And so anything that's not that way, I... I'm out of here. <laughs> I have no patience for it. You don't want it. I don't want it in my life. If I gave you the choice of wanting to argue or want to be warm and fuzzy, which one? Look, I, I can tell you, everybody wants to giggle and smooch every single time. If you could find somebody to giggle and smooch with, you would not be picking out somebody to argue with. And, and, and the valuable lesson that I learned from my parents is my father said it takes two to argue. As soon as you keep your mouth shut, who are they arguing with? I love that you are love. Like when you recognize that was your main value, like you're like, I'm not, this is not the love show. I'm out, you know? <laughs> Um, Kashana, and then after this, we'll go around and just everybody give one word um, of what, you know, would, would it take for women to take our conversation into their lives and be free? So go ahead, Kashana. Well, Cardelia, I, I'm just in total admiration of these women and just their freedom in terms of being counterculture, because that was not at all my experience. Um, I grew up in the deep South. I, um, and when I say the deep South, I'm talking about, I grew up in Texas and, and, you know, and so it was, it was understood <laughs> that women were to be um, subservient, if you will, to, to men. And it was understood that we were the caretakers. It was understood that we were the nurturers. And so when you are um, exposed to something different, then it's, it's kind of like, whoa, this is different. <laughs> this is, oh, wait, oh, you know, I, I don't have to do everything and I don't have to be everything to everyone. And, um, and so after there's that evolution, I started understanding, I don't have to do this. I don't have to be this. 
And slowly but surely, the, the chains started to fall off. And I started to experience the freedom of loving who I was and not who someone expected me to be. That in and of itself is a huge mind shift. Because if you grew up that your experience, your background, your culture, in some instances, um, has they've imposed that on you, then that's just what you know. But here's what happened. I was open. I was open to doing something different because I knew that what I was doing was not working. And so I, I began to um, just, again, open myself up to see something different. And, and I started to be really in touch with who I was and what I needed in order to be happy, in order to have joy, in order to have peace. Uh, and so when I did that, that's when I started to see the difference. And that's when my life started to change. And I began to really uh, have that unconditional love for myself. I am not every woman. I know Shaka sings the song, bless her heart, but I am not. <laughs> I'm not every woman. I'm not walking around here trying to be every woman. I am uh, who I am. And, uh, and I take that... Uh, I take that as a, a place of freedom for me. I don't have to be everything <laughs> and have to do everything that everyone or be everything that everyone is expecting me to be. I can be free in who I am. And so I think that that is where that freedom to be me comes from. Again, embracing the evolution and knowing that because um, I, I can shake off those things of my past. I can look, I have so much to look forward to in my future and the hurt, the pain, the disappointment, all of those things have made me, they've been a part of my journey, but they've been a very significant part of my journey because they've been, uh, they've been the piece that uh, have allowed me to heal in some areas. And I'm so grateful for, grateful for that. I really am grateful. I love that. Thank you for, for being so open and sharing your story, Kashana, and in each one of you. Um, so the way I really like to close the show is for us to go around and give like, even though we, we have been, you know, talking about a lot of different facets of what it is to be free and where we saw ourselves free within marriage with, you know, and through the divorce process and afterwards and who we are being now what would you say is like the one golden word um, that can also serve as advice for someone to, for a woman listening to take into her life and also to open up the world of another woman that she may be witnessing, you know? I see Jacqueline is. <laughs> I us. think. I think it's very um, helpful for people to find their inner strength and to be content with that. And you don't have to open your mouth. That comes out. If, if you're content, that's the word for me is content. Content, okay. Kashana? I was hoping you'd go to Marina. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, oh, gosh. I can always come back. It's all right. <laughs> I'm going to use the word courageous. Okay. Um, because I think that there is a level of courage that you have to have in order to not only love you, but again, I can't stop saying embrace your evolution. Um, in order to understand that there is change happening and to be so self-aware that you embrace that change that's happening, there's a level of courage that you need to walk that out. So have courage and, um, and show up for you. Mm, I love that. So good. Marina. Well, mine would have to be love. <laughs> that's my everything comes back to love. And yeah, to summarize that, you know, you are love, be love, and love all the parts of yourself, all of them, all the judgments, all the ways that you have done things to yourself, 
and all the ways that has showed up in your life. Just love. I would say self-forgiveness. So, you know, it looks like we have content, courage, right? So we'll be content with who we are, have the courage to be that, and then love it. And and when we don't love it, forgive ourselves, (laughs) you know? And I think that's the the secret sauce, the recipe to being free to be as a woman. And my invitation to to women who um, may be witnessing other women to view them the way you want to be viewed, you know, forgive, you know, look at them um, with no judgment, with no labels. Um, Just allow them to be who they are as they are and value and respect that. And um, it's a beautiful place where uh, to be when you have so much self-love, like I think everyone has said, Kashana was bringing that up a lot, that you just can't help but radiate that out. And then of course, Marina being the love alchemist, you know, um, (laughs) just encouraging us to be a love bubble you know, and that's, um, we, we are sisters in humanity. We're sisters in this world. And we, this is our opportunity to do this. This, you know, we have so many uh, things that we're seeing these days with, uh, Justice Brown and Kim Kardashian, Jada yesterday, and just take a step back and create yourself powerfully by choosing to love your sister in humanity. So um, speaking of love and sisters, I love my sisters and good night and um, stay after the show goes done, right? And we're gonna chat a little bit. Um, But for those of you who are viewing and listening, share this with another heart, share this with another soul and truly allow yourself to be a sister. Good night. Thank you for joining the conversation. Now take the time to reflect, introspect, and implement at least one action. Be in your body, be in your soul, be in your spirit. You know, Be free. Until next week.